whenever it was made plain to me that he was saving my life, even though I was cursing him, I was like, wow, you know, why wouldn't I want to serve him, you know? This is Camus. And this is Kylie. Welcome to God is Real, God is Good, a podcast where we collect stories about God working in people's lives through big, miraculous ways, all the way down to small, everyday things. Welcome to this week's episode of God is Real, God is Good. This week is Kylie, and I have with me Jace. Um, Hi there. Hi. Jace, I met him at GYC Northwest, um, a little young adult event that happened in Vancouver, Washington. This was about almost a month ago. And he helps with uh, a ministry in Spokane, Washington called Total Health. And maybe we can hear some more about that later. Um, if not in part of his stories, he can share a little bit about it towards the end. But for now, let's pray. Let's get started. And yeah. All right. Dear Father in heaven, thank you so much for this opportunity to um, record Jason's story and just to hear about how you've worked in his life and how he's seen that you're real and that you're good. Um, please just send your Holy Spirit to be both with both him and I as we're both a little bit tired tonight, but also excited to share and to hear about you. Just be with the words that we speak and be with the hearts and the ears and the minds of the listeners. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, Jace. So why don't you tell everybody where you're from? Yeah. So I was born and raised in Pico, Texas, which is a small town of about 1,300 people. And I lived a little bit in that town. And also my family had a farm outside of town. So I spent half my time on the farm and half my time in town. Nice, nice. Yeah, we always pretty much always lived out of town growing up and I always loved being out of town. There's a lot of freedom, I feel, especially as a kid that you get living out of town. Oh yeah, yeah, it was wonderful as a kid just being able to be in nature. And we had about a 400 acre farm with cows and animals, chickens. Uh, all kinds of things. So it was really good, good environment. That's cool. That's really neat. All right. Well, did you grow up in a Christian home or what's your religious background kind of look like? Yeah. So I grew up in a, in a Methodist household. My parents were the youth ministers of the Methodist church that I went to growing up. That's cool. Yeah. I guess you could say that our Christianity our, our Christian practice only lasted as long as it took us to get from the pew to the parking lot. So mm. <laughs> I wouldn't say that it's the most stellar of Christian upbringings by far. Mm. Mm. But it definitely like, I guess, introduced you to the ideas and the concepts and stuff. But yeah, sometimes that's, that's how all of us as Christians can be. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, that's kind of where my story began is that though I had uh, some really, I guess you would say not the best experiences in church, I definitely desired to understand more about the Bible at a really young age. I was, I think I was like six or seven years old whenever I wanted to study the book of Revelation. Because, (laughs) yeah, I was sitting in the pew one day and... I remember the sermon was just going on and on and I got, you know, children are usually really bored in sermons anyway. So I decided to pick up the Bible and say, I wonder how this book ends. And so I saw the last chapters of Revelation, uh, especially Revelation chapter 22, when Jesus says, behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me. And so, you know, really reading those those chapters at the end of Revelation really impressed me that I needed to understand what this book was all about. And I didn't get everything that there is, obviously, as a kid, uh, but I still understood that I needed to understand. <laughs> so that's so cool. Um, yeah, yeah. I I started to talk to church members and um you know they were hesitant at first to study the book with me. Um, but then eventually they conceded after about a year. And when we sat down to study, I was, it was pretty plain that they didn't know a whole lot about the book of Revelation. 
And to me as a kid, when, and this, you know, just a young kid seeing all these people that claim to be living by this particular book, but then whenever they can't tell me what it means, that to me stood out. And I don't say, I, I don't want to say that it completely ruined my faith, but it definitely uh, was a stumbling block for me. Um, there was also some really traumatic things that happened uh, in my childhood. There was uh, some family abuse problems. There was uh, just a really nasty environment that I was growing up in, in my uh, townhome, because mm -hmm. my middle brother, he was 10 years older than me. He ended up getting involved in the LGBTQ lifestyle, and he also practiced witchcraft in the house. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that that made things very supernaturally charged in the house to the point where I was uh, seeing and experiencing things at a young age that later on would let me know that there's something more than just what people acknowledge is real. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but, but fast oh. forward a few more years. Oh, yeah, go for it. Sorry. Oh, yeah, just like... Song. Oh, no, I was just going to, like, say, like, um, it can definitely be hard, like, at a young age to see that, like, church members don't know all there is to know about the Bible, especially, like, yeah. leaders and stuff. And, like, not that, like, I would think we should all seek to know all that we can about the Bible, but, like, when we don't have the answers, I think that's okay, too. Um, but really, I mean, in Essex, you didn't, none of us know this, but, you know, like, the, they should have known that. They should have been seeking and praying to God and continuing the study of the Bible, not just, like, trying to shut out a six-year-old with lots of questions like yeah but that's, that's yeah. a sad experience that they yeah not having yeah and you know the book of deuteronomy it talks about how when when there was different monuments or different festivals that were implemented into the ceremonial law and the children come and ask the parents you know what do these things mean the parents are supposed to have answers for that and hopefully if they didn't know they would go and study and then tell their kid you know that that's what the perfect world is but unfortunately we don't like kids don't always ask the questions that can be answered nor mm -hmm. do we ask sometimes the questions that people feel comfortable about answering mm -hmm. so sure. yeah yeah so um Fast forwarding a few years from my early childhood on, I was blessed a lot having that farm to be raised up on. My grandmother, she was a godly woman and she was a strong pillar of Christianity in my household. I, I remember every time I went over to her house, she'd be playing hymns on the piano and reading her Bible. And she, she read the Bible with me as a kid too yeah. and that was she was a real beacon of light in my life and I don't think I'd be here today if it wasn't for my grandmother's influence so I will say that you know uh, godly grandparents there's uh, there's a place for them in this world and I think we need more mm. for sure yes and even if they're not your own grandparents I had like adopted grandparents in the church that just like they were very godly and had huge influence on me oh yeah 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 for sure i'm glad that i'm glad that god has mothers and fathers in israel <laughs> <laughs> yeah. let's see yeah so i in middle school that's whenever i started to have a lot of pulls into the world you know i i didn't say that i pursued studying the bible like i should have as a child i don't think that any of us can say oh yeah i lived completely sold out for god as a child uh but i didn't have a foot to stand on whenever it came to you know biblical understanding um you know what's right what's wrong because the examples that i saw in my childhood and the things that i would watch on television told me a completely different story than what seems to be uh, said in the Bible. 
Mm. So, you know, that's when the world started pulling me in pretty deeply. I started to um, get into relationships at that point that weren't weren't godly. They were really premature, and it was just you know kids getting googly eyed over each other and yeah. um, and then living like the movies, right? And so then high school came, and that's when I started to get more into an atheistic mindset. Mm. because I went to public school and in public school they teach you know the theory of evolution pretty dogmatically and that to me ruled out any need for a creator god Mm -hmm. so at that point in high school morality was out the window and I said well people want people think that being bad is good so why don't I just be as bad as I possibly can and become popular, become this guy that everyone looks up to, get, you know, gratified, you know, my pride, all these different things. So I ended up going and starting to drink, starting to smoke marijuana and starting to listen to just really bad music and, you know, the whole package, really. Yeah. And, um, but but there was something in my mind that I couldn't quite get out. And it was the simple fact of what happened in my childhood when my brother was practicing witchcraft, there were things that happened that the pure atheistic, like God just doesn't exist or nothing supernatural happens ever. Yeah, that didn't sit well with me because I did experience supernatural things as a kid and I had you, seen them. Do you want to give an example of like what kind of like supernatural stuff you did see? Okay, um, well, early in my childhood, there would be a few things. Um, one would be my brother, he would bring home Ouija boards, he would bring home uh, magic eight balls, which isn't the very popular form of mediums but it was still a medium Mm. and there would be communication to the dead at that point Mm. and I remember there was this one night that you know I continually got more terrified of sleeping in my own room and there was this one night that I, I ran out of my room and in this corridor I froze and I, this is the best way I could describe it. But it was like I looked at myself from two different points. And these two different points came very fast right into me. And it almost felt like they smacked me in the face. And I, I got so scared at that point that I, I ran into my parents' bed. My heart was beating. There would be also other times while I was sleeping that there was this these strange sensations that would come over me feelings of like really intense ecstasy at one point and then really intense discomfort at other times it was it was strange and it was unlike anything that I have experienced as of recently and there would be you know, shadow figures, there would be things being moved around, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point that whenever I was older, you know, there was this, we just didn't talk a lot about these things in my family. We just kind of swept them under the rug and said, oh, you know, that just, that just kind of happens nowadays. But my dad sat me down in the living room and he's like, you know, this house is haunted, right? I was mm-hmm. like, well, yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, there was a few nights that, um, I was impressed that one of my dead grandparents were in the room and started to talk to me. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah, yeah. There was, there was some really bad things. In fact, that, that one that I just mentioned happened in high school and started a trend of, uh, spiritualism, of communicating with. Uh, forces that 
I didn't know who they were and learning from them. Mm. Uh, whenever I graduated high school, I was led to study more different world religions because of these supernatural events that were happening. I wanted answers, but I didn't think the Bible contained the answers because mm. of the bad the bad rep that the people that claimed to believe in it gave it. <laughs> so, yeah. yep. So I started to study the religions of Buddhism, uh, Hinduism, and shamanism. Mm. And I started to see a common theme in all of these religions. Um, the common theme was that we started at like a really minute point and from that point, we've evolved, we got better, more advanced, and there's this constant circle of life, this system of immortality that our souls go through, they get better and better and better until we become gods. That's what all those three major world religions believed in, and many others, as I've learned. And, um, and then I realized that that works perfectly with the theory of evolution mm. we all start from an infinitesimal point and then through our own survival of the fittest mentality we build ourselves up and we get more advanced and evolve and evolve and evolve but what we're taught in public school is an open-ended question as to what going and so the religions gave me an understanding of what evolution had laid the foundation for mm. and at that point i started to practice these different um mantras uh these different practices and these religions that are supposed to give us more access to the spirit world um i would involve be involved in astral projection which is like out-of-body experiences Oh. And um, I would, yeah, yeah. And I was involved in straight seances as well. Yeah, some pretty hefty stuff. Um, really, there were times where it would seem like what made sense in the world no longer applied. Like mm -hmm. there was like these strict foundational rules of what made up reality. And then when you would practice these things, it's like the lines would blur as to what's reality and what's spiritual. And it was, it was really interesting, uh, really deceptive. And I, I remember um, eventually learning about how there's these beings, these supposed beings that want to help us to achieve godlike status. Now, in the Bible, this is this testifies to how much I did not know about the Bible. Yeah. The Bible talks about in Genesis chapter three how it was the serpent that said, "Ye shall be as gods." Mm. See, I was going forward and trying to communicate with demons because I learned in uh, one of Aleister Crowley's books that I read that they want to seek to help us to become gods. Mm. So uh, for those who don't know, Aleister Crowley is labeled the most wicked man of the 18th century. So it, it's, uh, it was heavy stuff that I was reading. And uh, if you're not familiar with them, I'd recommend that you don't get familiar with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not, not my favorite artist or author anymore so don't just don't this read this not stuff. a recommendation <laughs> no no not yeah. recommendation mm. my story is not prescriptive it's descriptive mm. <laughs> yes yeah so um yeah at that point in time i i made contact with and well i had had already been in contact with these demonic forces but they were just posing as you know the spirits of the departed loved ones departed people from the past but at this point in time they they just said yeah we're supernatural beings and we have 
power that are vested in us. We have never been human, never will be human. And this is what we can do for you. And at that point, they started introducing me to uh, the power structure that they had planned out in the world. So they showed me how they were in control of a lot of the media, a lot of the music, um, even the food industry. They had their hands in the medical industry. And I think they dabbled quite heavily in politics. Mm. You know, surprise at that. Like, yeah. Um, but they just made things really plain to me and gave me a lot of, they re helped me to research through this stuff uh, so that I could put more trust in them. What they were telling me was true. And they were, they were showing me things that I was making immediate reforms in my life. Um, in fact, if, if you would have met me before and you disregarded the way I spoke and cursed like a sailor and the way I dressed, you would think, wow, this guy is like maybe a pretty solid Adventist. <laughs> because what the demons told me, I mean, they had me to embrace a plant-based lifestyle with intermittent fasting. I stopped watching a lot of music, uh, uh, television. I stopped playing video games. I started reading more books. Um, it's so interesting that they all the stuff they had their hands and they're like they're like oh don't take part of that they're like don't that's so interesting mm -hmm. yeah so i i wondered the same question too and i usually start off with this little tidbit but uh, i'll just share it now uh so my family comes from a long lineage of um practicing occultists my grandfather was a 32nd degree Freemason in the Fort Worth Masonic Lodge. Uh, he was called the Worshipful Master of the Fort Worth Masonic Lodge. So, yeah, um, he dabbled in quite a few things that uh, the Bible would condemn. And he traced our lineage up to King Louis XIV's stepbrother, King uh, Duke. Oh, was his name? Prince Felipe II, Duke of Orleans. Yeah. Oh. Huh. And um, <laughs> and he's called the grandfather of Europe because from his genealogy, all of the, the Roman Catholic royalty come from. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. We had a lot of practicing occultists in our family. So when the demons were coming to me and they were showing me all these things, I was embracing these reforms and I saw results in my life. You know, I felt the blessings of health. Um, they were telling me this so that I could be separate from, from the common folk. That's, and it's like this whole superiority complex that they're trying to, trying to um, take advantage of. Mm -hmm. And you know, some people, they're offered the riches of the world. Other people, they're scared into intimidation. You know, it's just whatever. Whatever avenue they, they can, can get do. you through. Like, cause like you were trying to exactly. like become in a sense like gods. Cause that was like what kind of drew you in. Um, mm -hmm. And so they're like telling you the story of this is how you do these things. Exactly. Exactly. And the bad thing is, is that there were results that would took place physically like mm -hmm. you know blessings of health again um better mental clarity um at times they would take control of my speech mm. and speak things that were outrageously deeply profound but twisted and erroneous mm. so yeah yeah it's some really crazy things were happening and I wouldn't necessarily know that it was them speaking through me at that point. But later on, they would come and say, look, you said this and this and this. You're clearly on your way to enlightenment or becoming a god. So, you know, again, it's it's a really deceptive circle that just kept spiraling down and down and down. And what people usually ask me is like, how did you come out of that? <laughs> and um, it. You know, God has a way of humbling us. 
and he definitely allows us to experience the consequences of what we what we deserve to a, a greater or less degree mm-hmm. and at this time his spirit was working in my heart and though the demons were showing me a whole lot of kind of like quote-unquote truth mm-hmm. I started to realize that the people around me they were they were stuck in this stuff and mm. and I started feeling really bad and I felt like man like you know my family I'm watching my family just destroy their health and I'm watching my friends ruin their lives and, and even though I was ruining my life at that point in time too and I was even people I didn't even like I felt like this weird deep empathy for them because I knew that they were hurting themselves in a way that they just didn't know they were mm. and that that had to be the spirit of God that's yeah. the only reason why I would have felt any empathy towards anyone and so there came a point where the demons uh, you know they approached me and they said hey we want you to commit we want you to show that you're loyal to our cause and the commitment that they were requiring with me that was the commitment that would involve harming uh, of people oh wow and yeah and at that point i had developed a strong dislike of how they were already harming people so i said no and i refused their offer and then i kind of said it in my heart that i was gonna you know just fight with all that i have in me to just not participate and not to not to indulge in what they're giving me wow. and and then I got humbled to the dust because whenever you try to fight without God you yeah. get your nose put in the dirt time and time and time again oh yeah uh, yeah um, because like you were saying like like yeah. there was times when they were taking like control of like your speech and stuff like like they were pretty powerful source like in your life like within you and stuff like yeah oh yeah something you could fight on your own oh no no so whenever I was once using them to get a lot of power for myself but then it was like all that power was taken away and now like whenever I took when I talked to the demons before it was it was plain like it was like I was talking to one of my best friends that I never knew um but then when I rejected, they started to appear in ways that were horrifying. I mean, things that like made make me tremble even to the day if I think about it hard enough. And it's it was bad. I I went under like intense mental anguish. Um, and then my family was attacked. At one point in time, I watched my entire family, including myself get possessed and not be able to do anything about it oh wow and i mean that that's pretty disheartening yeah that would be scary yeah it was terrifying it was terrifying and there was nothing that we could really do about it because whenever when you don't have god in your life you ultimately are a servant to satan Mm -hmm. and when jesus tells us you can't serve two masters he never tells us that you can't serve any masters as Mm -hmm. in like you will always have to choose to serve either sin or righteousness and whenever Mm -hmm. you are a servant of sin there is nothing you can do to like disregard sin's orders for you to follow out yeah and so (sighs) <sighs> yeah <laughs> that that was a tough time um so how yeah so at what point does god come in like how do you get out of this yeah so after a six month period of time i am pretty certain that my life was about to end 
and I came home from work and I had a place and I was also uh, dating a backslidden Christian girl at the time. So, you know, I plopped onto the couch next to her and I told her, I was like, you know, if I go any further down this line, I'm going to die. And I got, there was not a doubt in me that if something didn't change, then my life was not going to be taken away from me. And she said something really profound. Uh, I think this is the first time she ever brought up God into her relationship. Wow. She said, you know, if we give our lives to God, he'll protect us. Wow. And that was it. That was just one sentence that completely changed the course of my life forever. Because when she told me that, I immediately got a flashback of multiple different events that happened where, you know, I was this close, just an inch away from death. And then it was like an unseen hand just moved me into safety. And this happened a lot throughout my life, but it's particularly during that six month period wow. where it seemed like the demons were turned against me. And I, I knew that that was God at that point, that he was preserving my life. And the only time I ever talked about God was cursing him. So whenever it was made plain to me that he was saving my life, even though I was cursing him, I was like, wow, you know, why wouldn't I want to serve him? You know, mm. why wouldn't I want to give my life to him? If he was willing to extend that much mercy to me while I was blatantly cursing him at the, in his face, then of course I want to serve him. Mm. He loves me a whole lot more than these demons do. Like they're, that's they're like killing that, me right now. That's like <laughs> that verse, like he loved us while we were still sinners. Like you were out there cursing him and he, he still loves you like at that point. Exactly, mm. exactly. And you know, at that point, things really started to turn around. I It, it wasn't easy. I, I would say that after I gave my life to God, things became a whole lot harder because suddenly I realized just how far in sin I was. And I didn't even have a full conception at the beginning, but I knew that I had went really far down and I needed his help. Mm. And so that night, it was April 2nd of 2018. It was just near four years ago now. Actually, yeah, it's been over four years. Yeah, um, just barely. <laughs> yeah, wow, time flies by. Um, that night, I remember finding a Bible in my house, and I don't really remember why I had a Bible in my house at this point, but I, I grabbed it and I prayed. I was God, I know I went a long way and the wrong way, but please show me what you want me to see, and take me. And I let the Bible fall open, which I, my Bible study has become a little more complex than this now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let it fall open, but God worked with me still, and it landed right on Psalms 51. Create in me a clean heart, oh God, and restore mm. in me a right spirit. And, you know, take not thy spirit away from me. All these words were coming to me, and I was like, wow, this is really for me. And then after I read through Psalms 51, I started just flipping the pages. And then every verse that my eye went on, it was like a promise. And don't get me wrong, there was some strong rebuke at that point, some strong correction because I needed it immediately. And I knew that God was calling me to a life of service and that he had a plan for me even though I didn't know how he was going to do it because at that point in my life, I thought that I was just going to like, you know, he's going to have to put me at rest in his mercy because I'd had no idea of how I would overcome these habits that I developed in my life of sin. Um, and I don't know where my girlfriend went that night, but she just kind of faded off into the distance. It was just me and God that night. And it was so sweet. Mm -hmm. um in fact i think it was a week maybe a week and a half later we ended up breaking up 
because of a really interesting turn of events, but maybe I can save that for another time. It's actually kind of funny. Um, but, you know, I started to devote myself to prayer um, and to Bible study and just to really understand what it was I needed to understand. And I started to go back to church. I went to church uh, at the Methodist church once. And I realized that I learned more in my own Bible studies in my two days than I did in my entire life attending the Methodist church. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah. And I think the experience part of like supernatural warfare and understanding all these things are real also played a big role in me understanding more than mm. what I was hearing at the pulpit. So I stopped going there and I started to attend the Church of Christ, which should not be confused with Mormons or Latter-day Saints. It's a different denomination completely. And I was baptized in that denomination April 14th of 2018. Um, and right after my baptism, I... I had still struggled with music at this point. Music was one thing I was not able to give up, even though the demons told me, hey, you know, this stuff is not good. This is like, this will brainwash you. You're going to get programmed, what we want. And I was like, ah, well, still, I really like this music. And so, yeah. Uh, but after my baptism, I remember... I was driving home from work and I was listening to, I don't know, like rap or hip hop. I don't even know. It was just filthy. And I, I looked at the radio. I said, man, I'm tired of this stuff. And I just pressed the seek button on my radio and it skipped past all these different country mute, uh, stations, different gospel stations. Um, and landed right on 3ABN. Oh, wow. And the first thing I heard were hymns being sung, which reminded me of, like, my childhood days when we sang hymns in the Methodist church. It reminded me of the hymns that my grandmother sang. So I was like, wow, this is powerful. Like, I never enjoyed hymns so much at this point. And shortly after the the series of hymns that they played, they started diving into the book of Revelation. Oh, wow. And, it's like came oh, full circle. Man. It came full circle where I was just like, man, it primed me to like remind me of the childhood experiences I had. And then boom, a revelation study. And they correlated revelation with Daniel. And when they started doing that, I, I think I might have cried a few times because I was like, this is a childhood dream of mine to finally understand. And it made sense. It wasn't like these weird like interpretations that you would hear on these televangelists. It wasn't like some off, kind of like off in the wilderness of YouTube kind of like, you know, some tour guy trying to tell you that some supercomputer in Brussels as the Antichrist or anything like that. It was it was really solid biblical information. And I think it was that first week they told me about the Sabbath. And I went over the text in my mind and like the different things that I studied in the Bible. And immediately, I think it was like 30 seconds later, I was like, you know what? That's completely true. We should still be keeping the Sabbath. Why aren't we? So I started to keep the Sabbath. And my first Sabbath was by myself because I still never heard of the Seventh-day Adventist church. And I, it was just me, the book of Matthew, and God. <laughs> and I spent the entire Sabbath just reading the Bible alone at my place. And God drew really close to me that day. And I got so excited that I went to my parents the next day and I started saying, I think this is what I said verbatim. It's like, mom, dad, did you know that the seventh day is the Sabbath and that's Saturday and we should still be keeping the, the seventh day Sabbath? Oh, wow. And they're like, 
oh yeah, that's what the Seventh Day Adventists believe. Um, wait, and I'm like, wait, who? And they're like, yeah. oh yeah, the Seventh Day Adventists. They have a church down by the grocery store. And mind you, I lived in a town of 1,300 people. Yeah. <laughs> I drove past this church almost every day going to school. Yeah. So, and I, I just thought it was just a regular, you know, weird church. <laughs> but um, I, I was like, oh, mental note taken. I'm going to go there. And so I think that next Sabbath came around and I walked into the doors of that church and I had long hair. I think it was almost down to my shoulders. Wow. I had a beard that was like four or five inches long. And I had blown out jeans, penny loafer, tinny shoes, and a t-shirt on. And they welcomed me right in. That's awesome. <laughs> it, it was, God. Yeah, I mean, they could obviously tell that I just went through a warfare, but it was amazing, the receptiveness that they had. And they invited me to stay at the potluck, but I didn't know that they were plant-based. So I had already had problems at church potlucks whenever it came to like not having plant-based options or anything. And, um, (laughs) and so I declined the invitation for potluck just simply because I did not know that they were all plant-based at that church that I was going to. Yeah. And which, you know, that not everyone has to be plant-based or anything. That was just, that was just where I was at the time. Yeah, and sure. um, and so eventually the head elder called me back and he said, "Hey, I want to talk to you whenever you get a chance." So I met him at the church again, and he, he invited me over to his house to watch an evangelistic series with him uh, on Saturdays or Sabbath, and he also invited me over to his house on Wednesdays and Tuesdays. Because wow. there was no prayer meeting at the church that the at the Seventh Day Adventist Church, so most of the days of the week I would go to his house, and he and his wife would fix up some food. I'd eat with them and watch this evangelistic series. And I remember the first evangelistic series, my jaw dropped whenever I heard about the prophecies of the old testament that were fulfilled by jesus and the new like it's a really simple simple truth but man i just remember hearing that and knowing that what i was about to hear was pure truth and i was about to get thoroughly fed and so so, yeah it was great so i'll kind of speed up the story a little bit um a month and a half later i finished the evangelistic series and i knew that god was calling me to go somewhere else because even though i was learning all these things and i was having some victory over bad habits it was nothing i knew that it wasn't what god wanted me it wasn't the kind of victory that god wanted to give me i knew he wanted to give me a work to do for him more than what I was doing. And I knew that he wanted me to rise above like the guilt and disappointment of my, of my um, broken promises. So it was, uh, it was a Wednesday at work that I felt that call and I put my two weeks notice in at my job that day. And I prayed. I was like, God, I don't know where you're going to bring me, but just bring me where you want me. Yeah. And that Sabbath came around and there was the head of the religion department of Washita Hills College. And that's a school out in Arkansas. You might know. Do you know much about Washita Hills? Not really. I've heard of it, but yeah. You can go okay, ahead and yeah. say a little more about it because I'm sure our listeners probably have it. <laughs> yeah, it's a small self-supporting Seventh-day Adventist uh, school and college in Arkansas. And uh, they teach like agriculture, medical missionary work. Um, and 
I went there to go and get my biblical studies major with my minor in history. And it was a great education. But the head of the religion department of Washita Hills came all the way down to my hometown in Texas, which is six hours away. And he was with his family and they saw me, a young guy, 20 years old at this point, long hair, uh, but just bright and bright eyed and ready for any kind of truth to come my way. And they're like, you know what? Let's tell them about Washita Hills. So they told me about it and I fell in love and I knew that that was where God was going to call me. And so long story short, two weeks later, I was with Washita Hills canvassing program in uh, North Carolina. That's cool. And yeah. Yeah. Canvassing's hard too. That was. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I saw there's a lot of stories from that too. Oh yeah. It was, it was wild. I think North Carolina had been the hottest summer I ever experienced. And I'm from Texas. Like I know hot. Yeah. But North Carolina is hot. <laughs> Especially when you're going door to door all day. Oh yeah. Any and, yeah. Being outside all day, like doing canvassing, knocking on doors from one door to the next. That yeah, it's hot. Yeah. Yeah. It was intense. And you know, I went from the world, you know, I had a little little job taking care of plants at a plant nursery. I went from that to like door to door, face to face, trying to get people to buy books. Like that was a change. And uh, I think I was so zealous and I did not know how to canvas at all at this point in time. I remember there was these two pastors talking to each other in their yard. I came up and I handed them both the great controversy. I'm like, this book was written by a prophet you should uh, buy it and let's just say i didn't make the best sales <laughs> before i before i knew how to like frame it in the proper way yeah i i definitely didn't do well that uh, those first few days that's but, funny uh, that happens uh, <laughs> uh, um, but you're taking part in a mission now um uh, we wanted to save some space to share about that yeah, but yeah you're at total health spokane okay yeah yeah, so I got here because I had a heart for medical missionary work and gospel work combined. Mm, yeah. And um, we'd been leading out different reforms at Washita Hills where we could be more engaged in the community and meeting the needs of people, uh, doing community service and, um, you know, home Bible studies, all kinds of different things. And um, when... I had this desire on my heart. I started to look for places like that. And people kept on recommending Total Health Spokane with mm. Pastor Joe Reeves. And I called up Pastor Joe about a year and a half ago. And I asked him about the program. And he told me kind of like a brief summary. And I just didn't think it was for me. I was like, no, you know, I... I think I can find something better maybe for my, for my life work. And well, a year later, I was starting my practicum for school, which is like an internship that we have to do to graduate. Mm -hmm. And I had two practicums lined up, one with Mark Finley, uh, and that fell through. And then another one with uh, Pastor Taylor Hinkle in Little Rock, Arkansas. And that fell through. And so I didn't know what to do. And the new head of the religion department, David Chin, didn't know what to do either. And he spent like an entire day on the phones calling pastors, seeing how, how I could get my practicum done. And then the first person that contacted him back was Pastor Joe Reeves. Oh, goodness. Yeah. So... Pastor Joe, five minutes after he hung up with David Shin, called me and invited me to Spokane, Washington to work with him for my pastoral internship. So God definitely had a plan. So, so for those that don't know, what does Total Health Spokane, like what do they do? 
Mm -hmm. So Total Health Spokane trains people to do to do medical evangelism. So that could be going and meeting people who are diabetic and cooking meals for them uh, that are proven to help reverse diabetes, praying with them. Uh, it could also involve doing at-home Bible studies. It could involve doing larger community projects to bless the community as a whole. Uh, Total Health Spokane makes missionaries that can function in cities. Mm -hmm. Cities missions is really what we're focused on in Total Health Spokane. And um, it's a variety of different things that we do. And to like, just give you a list would be kind of hard to do because we do everything and everything cool. that we could do. So, yeah, I am thoroughly blessed being part of this ministry. Well, that's such an awesome, that's awesome. It sounds like an awesome ministry and it's got a, like, a lot of great ideas behind it. I like the, like the in the city focus and just like the medical and the praying and the, the health message, like a bunch of stuff tied into one, it sounds like. So that's really cool. Oh yeah, it is. That's cool. All right. Well, as we are wrapping up our time here, did you want to like share any last like words, thoughts, Bible verses with our listeners? You know, I just want to share one quote that really stands out to me and I think has been the biggest blessing to me. It's really simple. Uh, it's from Ellen White, and I can't remember the exact reference, but she says that faith is a simple matter. Mm. It is trusting in God. Mm. And so I just want to admonish, you know, anyone listening that if they're struggling with any of the things that I've went through or um, maybe even something worse, or maybe it doesn't seem like they have a whole lot of problems, but they just maybe are dissatisfied. Just ask God what you want and what you desire in your spiritual walk, what victories you want, and trust that he will supply that. Mm -hmm. and, Amen. Um, even, even if you're too weak to do it yourself. That's so true. That's so yeah. true because it's not by our own strength that like we achieve victory. It's like God. So that's awesome. Well, thank you yeah. so much, Jace, for sharing. Um, I think your story was awesome. There's definitely a lot like in there, and it feels like there was so much more we could have talked about. Um, oh yeah. So I hate to cut our time, but I'm like, yeah, it was so awesome, and so I definitely appreciate what you shared, and so I hope that other people can benefit from it too. And yeah, so thank you everybody for listening, and come back next week to hear more. Bye. If you've enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to follow, share, like, and review. Also, you can contact us at our Facebook page, that is God is Real, God is Good podcast, or you can email us at God is Real, God is Good podcast at gmail.com. Bye! Bye.